precious name of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, I will invite you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 9, verse 1 to 9. I am going to read. This is from the English Standard Version of the Bible. He passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eye with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. Father, we bless the reading of your word in Jesus' mighty name. And thank you, Lord, for inspiration and the ability to speak this morning, to speak your purpose in our generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our subject today, or rather I am going to talk through the subject of repurposed for greater glory. So it is basically a continuation of what we started the previous weeks or the previous week uh, where we spoke about a repurpose whereby we are talking about something being used beyond its original intent, meaning a new intent for it has been put in place. And uh, we showed you that even our salvation really, it is a work of repurposing something that was meant to be of harm to mankind. Uh, death was used to redeem us. Christ had to die on the cross to redeem mankind. So now I'm just going to take it a little bit further. And let me just warn you right away. I am not going to finish. So we will continue on this subject uh, next week, meaning we'll really get deep into it uh, next week. Uh, why I'm making the teaching short, maybe just to give others who 
are expecting me to talk a little bit longer who wants me to go really deep in this it is that we are aware not everybody has wi-fi that is unkept or unlimited data so we want everybody to hear this message not to hear part of it but to hear everything so we go small chunks so it is for that purpose that we have reduced uh, the length of the messages so that all everybody can fully uh, get to hear the message i i know it was announced but uh, these messages are also found on podcasts uh, different platforms of podcasts just look for a chabuse and then you will you'll find us and thank you jesus right now repurposed for greater glory I want us to just revisit what we read read here. And he passed by and saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him. That's the first thing I just want to draw your attention to. Verse 2. And his disciples asked him. Let us just talk about that first. A disciple should have a privilege to ask questions with his teacher. We as believers, as Christians, I know most often we come from a background whereby we don't have to question what leaders do. We don't have to question what pastors do. But that is not true disciple. True discipleship is allowing the disciples to ask questions. Look how comfortable were the disciples of Jesus. They asked their master, they asked their teacher a question. They asked him a question. So Christianity, our faith, it should be based on questions. We have questions and we should be comfortable enough to ask questions. Including after I have preached, you should be comfortable enough to ask things so that you can get clarity and understanding. So the disciples of Jesus already, they were in a platform or they were having a leader who has set up a culture of whereby you can ask questions. May we become Christians who ask questions. So if you are being disciples or led by a teacher or even a preacher or a man of God who does not give you the privilege to ask questions, I have to tell you now, run for your life because you are not being discipled. Discipleship is all about questions and answers. You ask questions, somebody answers. You answer, then they ask more questions regarding that until clarity is attained. So we can be Christians who are afraid to ask questions. We have to ask questions. Questions are important. I thought I should just throw in that one. Questions are key. They are imperative for you to grow as a child of God. You have no questions, I can tell you now, you are not going to grow. The more questions you have, the better it is for you. Ask them until you get answers. Your teacher is not managing to ask your que- uh, to answer your questions. Again, I tell you, run for your life. It's like schools. You know, I normally say the school I went to could not answer my questions. If they managed to ask my answer my questions, probably my life would have turned out completely different. So it's very, very important to find people who can answer the questions you have. That's key. Matter of fact, that's a message on its own that should close in prayer. That should change your life and glory to God. Right. So a disciple should have the privilege to ask questions with his teacher. In the absence of questions, there is no effective discipleship. 
The teacher is there to teach and to answer questions. So I have based this basically on chapter 9, verse 2 of the book of John. Now, what was the question? They say, Rabbi, this is teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, let us look at this question. We are talking about repurpose for greater glory. We will conclude next week. The disciples were comfortable to ask questions and they acknowledged their teacher. And the way they asked the question, you must look at this. The question was highly judgmental, but was never dismissed. It goes like, who sinned? A conclusion has made. The conclusion is there is a sin in the camp. But I like that they were not afraid to ask questions here. The important emphasis here, or the emphasis is, the disciples were not afraid to ask questions, even if it was stupid. Even if it was judgmental, they still asked questions. Let us be in a culture and environment where questions are not suppressed. People should be allowed to ask questions. Some questions, indeed, they are not the smartest. Some questions are judgmental. Some questions are literally out of order, but people will never grow until they ask questions. We grow from asking and getting clarity from the, que uh, from the questions we put out there. So however, as I said here, this question was highly judgmental. The judgment here, the conclusion was somebody sinned and that is why he's blind. Now, let's put a practicality or let's put a context here. Who brought coronavirus? Why this coronavirus? Who sinned? That's how this question goes, basically. We have corona here. Who sinned? Is it the born-again uh, Christians? Is it the pastors? Is it the prophets? Or is the presidents of this world? Who sinned? And there's nothing wrong asking that question. We want clarity. Ipuma pilentolena What caused this? Is this because of sin? But that's not the best way of asking the question. But nevertheless, the question must be asked. They say, who sinned? Then they take it a little bit further. They say, is it the man or is it the parents? I find myself in this context economically today. I find myself in this tough situation. I find myself in this difficulty. I am broke I, I don't see how I can become somebody of significance today. Did I sin or did my parents sin? What happened? Where do I lay the blame? As a typical South African, can I blame the socio-economic environment or situation? Or should I even lay this to some political parties? You can ask. Good questions. They say that this man was born blind. Let's be patient as we continue. So the question is very, very judgmental. judgmental it, and then it had a preconceived uh, conclusion on this matter. Now, what I'm trying to say, and this is what I'm going to request to anyone who hears me this morning and anyone who's going to hear this message, let us be careful 
This is the learning from this uh, verse number two. Okay, this is what I'm learning from this. Let us be careful about how we communicate. Let us be careful on how we structure our questions. It is important to ask questions, but let us be careful when we ask questions. Let us think through our questions. Let us ponder over our questions so that by the time we ask them, we ask them in a sensitive manner, we ask them in a caring manner, and we ask them from a very informed uh, position. So, it, like for instance now, these are difficult times. When we go around with the born again that this one will come near, will come nowhere near uh, 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 my camp and the rewards of uh, evildoers is death and what, we are being insensitive sometimes. Because not everybody who's dying out there because of the coronavirus or anybody who's suffering economically or who's experiencing pain because of this coronavirus has called it upon themselves. I don't think somebody will just go out there and say, I want coronavirus in my life. There are many other factors at play. So we as believers, let us be uh, uh, be conscious of how we communicate that yes they will die all over around us but it will never come near me let us be careful we have to be sensitive to those who are around us since we don't understand the context unless you know and you know and you know for sure that God is punishing people then you can communicate the way you communicate but as I said before I don't think this thing is from God so we can't attribute it to God punishing people. So we have to really grow and be matured and begin to understand how things work in life. I'm going somewhere, as always. So what I'm trying to say, if you are making notes, my first point really is that sometimes there is no link between sin and suffering. There's no relationship between sin and sickness sometimes you can't correlate that you 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 can't postulate a relationship between poverty and sin sometimes people are poor not because they sinned sometimes people are struggling and hustling not because they are big sinners you can correlate that sometimes i'm not saying always i'm saying sometimes Unless you know the cause, it's best that you become sensitive when you communicate. Because we can't always correlate that. I'm about to show you. Because I want to show you that sometimes things are there for a greater purpose. We don't see it at the beginning. But in hindsight, we will say, oh, God had a plan with this whole thing. That is why he permitted it to happen. I hope you understand where we are going with the message. Let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, Jesus was made sin. He was not sin. But for God to achieve his goal for righteousness in our lives, for him to reconcile us back to him, Jesus 
had to be made sin. So in other words, sin had to be imputed or put upon Christ Jesus. So that why? We might become the righteousness of God. So when he was hanging on the cross, it was not because he was a sinner. He was made sin so that he can achieve a greater a, a, a goal of redeeming mankind, of bringing people back to God. So it's very, very, very important to understand things from the perspective of God until we understand from the perspective of God. I have beautiful words for you. Keep quiet. When somebody is uh, 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 grieving, for example, you have nothing to say. Keep it that way. Say nothing. Don't just start to say, hey, hey, what's about? Don't just say those things because you might say something that is uh, off tune. So sometimes it's best to keep silent when you don't have the answers and ask questions at, to your teacher. Ask the teacher. The teacher knows. Because if you go around asking some of these out-of-order questions with, with the wrong people, they'll think you are judging them. Why you see somebody begging the traffic lights, you go, go like, why are you poor and you're so young, you have two hands and two feet, what's wrong with you? You don't know his context, you don't know his story, you don't know how he came there. And you don't even know if he's acting, he's doing a survey, you don't even know. Because some people will go to the traffic lights doing a survey to see how people treat people. So it's best sometimes to keep the questions to ourselves and ask relevant people the questions and that is why find yourself a teacher if you don't have a great teacher who allows you to ask questions find a new one and glory to god i hope i'm not in trouble in this with this one but now anyway jesus was made sin for a greater goal so god will allow certain things to happen in the lives of those he loves with a greater goal in mind I showed you last week, he allowed evil to happen in the life of Joseph. They meant it for evil. They meant to harm Joseph. But God in his own wisdom, he used their evil intention for the salvation of many, including the people who harmed him. Ah, glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, I strongly believe I'll not be here if I never suffered the things I suffered. I look at the things I suffered and I say I am the sum total of the struggles and the pains. If I never experienced the struggles and the pains, I will not have become what I am. So sometimes we have to go through in order to become what God wants us to be. Because God will take your pain. He will take your suffering. He will take the poverty. He will take the sickness and everything and use it for his greater glory. Even though he's not the one who brought it, but he will allow it so that he can achieve a greater purpose in our lives. And that's what I call repurposing. So, as we go towards the ending of this message, another 10 minutes, we should be done. Evil, sickness, death, lack, poverty, pain, provide an opportunity for redemption. May I repeat? Evil, sickness, death, 
lack, poverty, pain. Oh, coronavirus provides an opportunity for redemption. And my list is not comprehensive. Anything that you don't like, I can tell you now, it does provide you with an opportunity for redemption. Because Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law. So without the curse, there is no redemption. So sometimes you must see these things from that perspective. All right. Let's read Galatians 3 verse 13 to 14. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's read it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. You see, I just don't talk my own things here. It's in scriptures. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. No curse, no redemption. So sometimes these things happen so that redemption can happen. So that we can see the mighty hand of God. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He was not a curse, but he became one for a greater purpose. So understand that, that sometimes things will happen in your life for a greater purpose. We see a model in Christ that he became what he was not supposed to be, being a curse. He is the righteousness of God, but for him to attain righteousness for us, he had to become a curse. So some things have to happen. And that is why scripture says, when you walk through the waters or the fires, it says he will there with you, be there with you. He didn't say there will be absence of those things. Those things will be there, but he will be with you so that you can see his strength. In fact, his strength is manifested in weakness and glory to God. So when you are weak, you must thank God that you can see the strength of God. For it is written, I continue to read, cast is everyone who is hanged on a tree, that is the cross, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham may come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise, promised spirit through faith. Now, here's the point. For us to receive the blessing or to be prepared and made ready for the blessing, somebody had to be the curse. So sometimes to see greatness, you must see pain, difficulties, suffering. All right, we'll get there. Jesus came to redeem mankind from all the forces of evil, or rather the forces of the evil one. In essence, the works of darkness can be repurposed for the display of the works of God. Going back to the book of John where we read, the question was, did this man sin or did the parents sin that this man was born blind? But look at how Jesus answers but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So some of the things we don't like in our lives, they have a purpose, and the purpose is to display the works of God in our lives. We will never know the works of God until we go through some uh, difficulties in our lives. We are made perfect, we are made matured by the things we suffer. That is why we have to learn how to endure. We have to learn patience. 
Jesus became what he was because of the patience and the suffering he went through. It was not easy for him to go to the cross, but he had to go through it. And we as a church, we as individuals, we must go through these difficult moments, these difficult times, so that we can see the display of the works of God in our lives. He chose us to be in this season, in this time, because God deemed us fit to be strong enough to be people who will display his works. If that was not the case, we will not be around. You won't be sitting where you are sitting. You are still where you are because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to display his works through your life. If that was not the case, you won't be where you are. If that was not the case, I won't be preaching. It is still the privilege that in difficult times, I can still preach. It could be worse. But anyway, let's come to the conclusion of this message. So, all these things sometimes, they are there for one purpose, to display the works of God. Difficult times, in some instances, are linked to salvation. I know you link difficult times to curse, but sometimes look at difficult times and see their relationship and their correlationship with salvation. Some people won't be born again if they did not have to go through difficult times. Some people had to find themselves in hospital and they had to face death. And during that moment, when they called out to God, they saw the hand of God. Some people had to be down and out before they could see the salvation of the Lord. So there is a correlation also between difficulties. So sometimes where you are, ask yourself the question, how can I see the hand of God during these difficult times? God, what do you want to display in my life during this difficult environment? That's a better question, I think, that you should be asking. What is the plan here? What I what is your purpose here or what are you repurposing in my life? Some of you, I mean, it's going to come, it's going to happen. I wish I could say a better word and say the retrenchment is not coming. It's going to come. But through that rich retrenchment, there will be a repurpose. Some of you, you are running away from your calling. Maybe God has called you to be a minister of the gospel. But because you love money so much, God will take it away until you are left with him, until you rely, realize that you can rely on God and him alone and not month end. Merothically, I prophesy the God of month end must come to an end. You need a God of abundance whereby you don't rely on that, but you rely on God every day of your life. You must begin to realize that it is God who feeds the birds and the animals or the feeds. He's the one who looks after the flower. Your life is more important than those uh, birds and those flowers. Therefore, God can also look after you and have your hope in him. So some people become mature Christians because of the difficulties they go through. So difficult times in some instances are linked to salvation, prosperity, elevation, and progress. We know the stories of people who are down and out, who are homeless, who have done well today. 
But I can tell you, if they were born in a house full of cheese and eggs and stuff like that, they will not have become what they are. They learned how to survive and how to push and how to get great results in the streets. And if you are finding yourself in such a situation, don't lose hope. Use that as a stepping stone to go to the top. In fact, when you're down and out, there's nothing else that can happen to you except go up. So take that as an opportunity to say, I'm right at the bottom. All I can do is to go up. And praise God for that. What am I trying to say? Your elevation is most often preceded by difficult times. God will repurpose difficult times to elevate you. The presence of evil does not negate the blessing in your life. The fact that you are experiencing whatever you are experiencing is an indication that you are blessed. You see, blessed people don't succeed in an, uh, in an, a simple environment. Blessed people, this is how we know them, they prosper everywhere they go. They prosper in the wilderness and they prosper in the village. Now, you who like prosperity, if it is true prosperity, it should not be linked to the city, but it must be linked to your God. If you are truly blessed, we can place you anywhere else. We'll see you rise. We can take you right at the bottom, but because you have a God and you are blessed, you will rise. So don't be afraid of difficult times if you are a blessed man. So the presence of difficulties don't do away with the fact that you are blessed. They are there because you can rise above the difficult situation. A person who is healed by the stripes of Jesus, when sickness strikes, they rise beyond sickness and disease. Because why? They, they, they have been healed by Jesus Christ. That's the only way you will know and know that you are blessed. Being blessed in a palace does not mean you are blessed. But when you can make it outside the palace, when you can make it in a difficult environment, like now, I've, I've been saying it, let me repeat, this time is a great opportunity for greatness to emerge. It is a great opportunity for new preachers to emerge. This is a great opportunity for new prophets to emerge, for evangelists to emerge, for, for the defenders of the gospel to emerge, but not only that, executives to emerge. Because these are times whereby people who are gifted by God can come with solution. We are talking about people who can bring solutions in our generation because you can only be great when you solve a solution now those who are in business for you to really make it in business you must solve a problem if your business is not solving a problem i don't think you'll make a lot of money you will you'll survive but if you are going to be great you need to solve a specific problem and that's when greatness is born. In other words, the, the challenge you are facing, the difficulty you are facing can be repurposed to become your new calling, can be a, a channeled to become your destiny, can be channeled to become your route to success. So don't be afraid of difficult situations and circumstances. And glory to God.
Oh, thank you, Jesus. It took me this long to know that God is the father to the fatherless. It took me years and years. I only knew that God is the father to the fatherless this year. I've been a preacher for a while now. I've been a Christian for almost my whole life. I never really knew that God is the father to the fatherless. You know, I, I've always had a father. I knew the scripture, but I've never really pondered on it and got the meaning. It was one of those scriptures. But the day when he's taken away from me, that's when I realized there's a God in heaven. So today when I say, my father in heaven, I know what I'm talking about. So sometimes for you to see the greatness, something that mattered to you might have to be taken away. And glory to God. So don't be afraid of what's happening. Until you rely on God to provide meals for you every day, you'll never know true greatness. You'll never truly know who God is as long as you are trusting on your salary. And we praise God when you still have a salary. But I'm talking to those who don't have it. Don't despair. God has a plan for you. He will use the situation to take you to greater heights. Because those who trust on God will never be put into shame. And I thank God that you are in the situation you find yourself in so that you can trust in him and experience true prosperity and glory to God. Let's conclude now. The blessing of God is greater than evil or curse. If you are truly blessed, remember this. Your blessing is greater than any curse, is greater than any evil. Your blessing is greater than the coronavirus. It's greater than all the other diseases and viruses out there. The blessing of God. So what do we do with what you just said, uh, preacher? Or what do I do with what you are saying here? It's very easy. Jesus is the master of reposition. Like I just said to you, no one sinned in the text in John chapter 9. No one. It was for the displaying of the works of God in that man. It started with Jesus, this thing of repositioning, a, a repurposing. So what is going to happen? He says, follow me this morning. I will make you a fisher of men. I'm taking this from the scripture where he says to Peter and his friends that follow me. You have, you have been a fisher of fish, but I want to repurpose you to become a fisher of men. That's the key. Your key here is to follow Jesus. And Jesus will repurpose whatever it is in your life.